Well, over the past week, we got some good news and we got some not-so-good news. But we have to keep on moving, doing what God has put in front of us. The good news is um, we've had uh, $40,000 committed to helping us get a new truck for this upcoming tour, which is really vital. We were trying to head a problem off at the pass, the vehicle that we used to ferry our equipment back and forth from the RV to the prison gate. Uh, has about 230,000 miles on it now, I think. It's got a new transmission in it. It's been a faithful old dog, um, but we don't want to find ourselves broken down. And not only that, we need more storage because we're trying to do things a little bit bigger, a little more equipment involved. We are still hoping to raise uh, another $5,000, and that is so that we can equip the truck for towing. That's about $1,500. We will tow the truck behind the RV, and it has to have a special base plate behind the grill uh, and wiring in order to do that and then put a cap on the back of it. That's probably another 1500 a good high-quality cap, and, uh, and, and a bed slider. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that's a way that you can um, slide uh, a platform out of the back of the truck so that we can get to the gear without crawling up in the truck at 58. I don't wanna, really want to have to do that everywhere we go. And, uh, and then also put a high-quality alarm system in it. So if you can help out with that, praise God. We are snooping around for the right truck. Uh, but you know those other things we can do as we go. Well, we can't really tow it until we have the the tow assembly and the cap. So those are kind of mandatory. I can deal with crawling up in the truck till we can afford the bed slider. So we still got a goal of about five thousand on that. Um, and so that's that's some of the good news. And then we've had a number of chaplains get back with us and open the doors for us to come in again this year. The not so good news is Susan got a kind of negative health report yesterday and maybe she'll need surgery maybe she won't we're going to keep acting as if we're going on this tour if we have to change our plans that's okay the word says many are the plans in a man's heart but it's god's purpose that prevails and so we're going to try to stay steadfast at the things that god has given us to do and that's what I want to talk about today, is this idea of steadfastness, staying steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We're called to be steadfast. That word means morally fixed. It means well-stationed. It means not given to fluctuation or moving off course. We're, you know, I, I talk about the NFL, really any sports, but you know, I, you know, some of you guys are anti-NFL. You're not going to watch it because of political reasons. I get it, but I, I realize there's plenty of solid believers and Christians that are out there playing that work their whole life to get on that field. Not only that, I enjoy it. So please don't pick on me because I watch the NFL. But, uh, you know, to watch a team just getting smothered, you know, 47 to nothing, and they've lost the game, but they're still out there with all their heart and soul not moving off course, playing as if the score is 0-0 zero to zero until that final second ticks. I believe that's how we're supposed to live our lives. You know, when we see... Therefore, Paul says, therefore, my, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When we see the word therefore, we always ask, Why, what's it there for? So we have to look at the preceding conversation. What was he talking about when he landed on that? He was talking about death. 
He was talking about that we're going to leave this life, but, but through Christ, the sting of death is gone. So we can live this life with sweet abandon. We can stay steadfast to what God's given us to do, knowing that this life is not the end. It's only the beginning. You know, even Steve Jobs, who, you know, I don't think was a believer, but he, he had a quote. He said, "Remember, you are remembering you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. Therefore, there's no reason not to follow your heart. Now, that, that's from the mouth of what I, I think was an unbeliever. Um, how much more should, should we that have the promise of eternity, that death is not the end of it all? Death is actually the reward. You know that, um, I think it's in the Psalms where it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because the, the, this, this life that is full of thorns and thistles is over, and we are promised paradise with the Lord. Therefore, be steadfast in what God's given you to do in this moment, in this life. Just stay faithful in the at the work of the Lord. So that bring, that brings up the question: What is the work of the Lord? Well, Colossians three twenty three, Paul says, "Whatever you do, work heartily." Some versions say, "Work at it with all your heart, as for the Lord, not for men." Whatever you do. We are to act as if there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun all the days of our lives. Acts 17.26, Paul is at Mars Hill. He's talking to the Greek philosophers there. And he says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, God determined where each of us would live out our lives on this earth. Um, he knew us before he formed us in the womb. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. God knew you before you existed. He's given you your own DNA, your own fingerprints, and he has equipped you with certain skills and abilities and talents and desires and passions. And the closer you walk with him, the more you discover that. Even David, Psalm 139, says, Before, or, For you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is their sum. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Having a confidence in God, we talked about that in the last series, that, that God knows you. His eyes are on you, especially if you are fully committed to him. There's actually a scripture in Chronicles, First or Second Chronicles, that says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, looking for those that are fully committed to him. He wants to reveal to you, uh, you know, your purpose while you're here. And if you are fully committed to him, that doesn't mean we don't stumble and fall and have to get back up. Lord, forgive me. Let's get moving. Um, but if we're fully committed to him, we can have confidence that what he's given me to do today, 
is the work of the Lord, and I will stay steadfast at it. I will prove myself faithful with what is in my hand. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Where has he placed you? Uh, and, you know, there's a scripture where Paul was talking to the slaves or the bond servants, and he said, if you can gain your freedom, do so, you know, but if not, be faithful and steadfast right where you are. Give yourself fully to it. Find the joy in it. You know, Solomon said we're to find joy in our work, not find work we enjoy. If you can do that, that's great. But whatever you're doing, find the joy in the work that God's given you today. There's a popular slogan that says, find your passion, chase your dream. And I'm a firm believer in, in going after those things and having vision. And I wrote a whole book about it. There's validity to that, but it's not the whole story. Listen, in, in our lives, we've made some major life changes, okay? I mean, pretty big stuff, you know, a family of five and jumping into ministry full-time. I was working for the Norfolk Police Department and had been there uh, seven years or so and was making pretty decent money. And, uh, you know, we had bought a house and had a couple of cars and payments to prove it and all that. And uh, the American dream, right? Uh, But I was miserable in my work as a forensic detective. I mean, it, it was purposeful. Don't get me wrong. It was noble. But I wanted out so badly. I I was just, you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I was playing Christian music in a Christian rock band, rather. And uh, and I kind of, back then, it was like long hair was a prerequisite to, to be in music, you know. And uh, I, I had made a decision. I worked in plain clothes. I could have told this story on a podcast before, but it's just so ridiculous. But I had made a commitment that I was not going to cut my hair until the Lord released me into full-time Christian music ministry. You know, that I knew he was going to do it, and this was my way of doing it. I worked in plain clothes so I could grow my hair out. And, you know, it finally, after some counsel from my pastor, which is really important when you're talking about transitions, um, I I made the decision, you know, my hair had gotten quite long, and uh, that I was just going to cut my hair. That was it. I, I, I gave up, Lord, and I was going to find joy in the work you'd given me to do. I saw no way forward. I didn't see how I could, you know, change jobs and enter ministry full time, take the salary cut. There's no way that was going to happen. And I made a decision to find joy in what I was doing and be steadfast and faithful and be the best that I could be at what I had in my hand. And I'm telling you, here's, here's the way it unfolded, okay? When I made that decision, Please forgive me. This is how ridiculous I can be. I told my wife, you know, back then it was like the mullet was the deal. That's how I could get away with my hair being so long because it was still, you know, it was all business in the front. <laughs> and so I I told my wife, I said, just cut off all the, all the back, back of my hair. Just cut it all off. So she did the best she could with a pair of scissors. She just cut it kind of straight off, did the best she could. And it looked okay, but it certainly needed cleaning up. And But I went to work. I'd made the decision. And uh, and then that week, I decided I, I'm going to go into the end. Now, I'd, I'd come to terms with I'm going to be steadfast right where I am. And that's my admonition to you, 
okay? It's okay to dream, but be the very best you can be. Look at what you are doing today as the work of the Lord. And of course, it was around this time I began to see myself as an evangelist uh, to the streets of Norfolk, cleverly disguised as a forensic detective, but I knew that meant I had to do my job well or I had no authority. And so I went into the uh, Gloucester High School um, to get my hair cut. They had a whole beauty salon section where uh, high schoolers could learn to do that stuff. And the lady that headed that department, the teacher there, uh, was part of our youth group. She was a youth volunteer at the church that I was working at, knew her very well. I was a mentor to her son. And uh, I went in there to get my hair cut. And uh, as I was walking in the hallways, I thought to myself, you know, high school just has a smell, doesn't it? And, and I thought, you know, it just brings me back to when I was in school. And uh, and I thought, how cool, I I had such a heart for youth back then, I was like, how cool would it be to somehow work in this environment, you know, having no idea, I mean, it just crossed my mind. I left, I guess I went to work the next day or something, but at, at the next youth meeting, that lady walked up to me and she said, you know, when you came in to get your hair cut the other day, it reminded me, I, I should let you know, I don't know what they're going to do, but the deputy at the high school is about to get fired for messing around with a high school girl, so that job is is probably going to open back up. I don't know if it would pay enough. Now, here's the crazy thing. I had looked into going to work for the Gloucester County Sheriff's Office, which was an hour away from Norfolk where I my job was. We had moved out there, bought a house out there, and there was no way feasibly I could do it financially. But when I looked at that position, it was um, funded by the sheriff's office and the school board, and it paid more. And you got a take-home car. And on paper, it looked feasible, like I could make this transition. Uh, But I stayed faithful at my job. And let me tell you, it took a year, almost a year, uh, at, at least eight months or something like that before things transpired. I mean, I went in to take a test for that uh, that job, and there was a hundred guys there from all over testing for that job. And I normally score in the ninety percentile or above on on those kinds of tests. I only scored an eighty-eight. I thought, what are my chances with all these people competing for this job? Well, I can't make the long story short now, but they hired me. I got the job, and that was the transition. Working in that high school is how I was there about two years. I transitioned from that position into full-time youth ministry a couple of years later. But my my point is, okay, e- even in that job, I got comfortable with where I was. I was going to be the best that I could be right where I was, even though I had hopes and dreams to move forward, to be steadfast, faithful in what God has put my hand. Now, I've seen that in all of our major, major transitions. You know, I get antsy. I get, I, I, man, I want out of here. I have to fight off murmuring and complaining. You know, there's a scripture where David said he was not going to despise the pleasant land. You've got to see that where you are, you've got to realize, look, God, you determined, just like Paul said in Acts 17, you determined the set time that I would live and where I would be. My life is committed to you. You know the desires, the passions, the hopes, the visions I have in my heart, and I can do something in that direction. We've talked about that a lot. We can plant our seed in the morning. We can plant our seed in the evening. We can work two things at once. We can work a job, and we can go to school, but we can't treat the thing that we're doing now with disdain. We can't despise where God has put us. 
We need to be faithful at that, even though we do have hopes. And man, God has taught me that lesson in all the major transitions, so that when we did make those transitions, uh, when when I left one position to move to the next one, uh, which was always, in my view, a promotion, um, it was at the top of the curve. It was like, why, it was, why would you want to leave now? Everything's going great. It wasn't in the, at the bottom of the curve when I was griping and murmuring and things were difficult and I just wanted to quit. It was when I rode that bucking Bronco until it was tame and I said, I'll ride this horse all the way into eternity if that's what you want, Lord. I'll be faithful with what you have given me. So the admonition here is to be steadfast. Whatever you're doing today, you know, be the best you can be at it. You know, my problem is that I get addicted to cookies, okay? And cookies are nice. Um, you know, I ate too many cookies over the holidays. But what I mean by cookies is I get addicted to the blessings. I get addicted to the breakthroughs. I get spoiled, you know, and I have to remember that sometimes breakthroughs come in the middle of those seemingly mundane days, that seemingly mundane day-to-day faithfulness or steadfastness. That's where the cookies sometimes are hidden. That's where the blessing is at. Because you stayed faithful to do what God has put in your hand, you you discovered, you met someone. You know, my friend Jimmy Bratcher, I talk about a lot. I would have never met, met that man if he had not stayed faithful and steadfast to the things God had put in front of him. He made a decision to come and speak to our young adult ministry. Um, it was budding. It was growing. We probably had 100 or more people coming out to that thing. And I was away and uh, working a fireworks stand to raise money to buy more sound equipment uh, over the July 4th area of one summer. And Jimmy was playing at this really big church. I I think it was a big church over in Hampton, Virginia, uh, that had flown him in from Kansas City. But he was friends with my pastor. We were kind of a smaller suburban church. And I guess my pastor asked him to come out and do something for the young adults while I was away. Or I, 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 know, I don't remember even talking to him. But nevertheless, Jimmy, who never did, he thought it was a youth meeting. It was young adults. He said, I never do youth meetings, but for whatever reason, I, I knew I was supposed to do this. He went out and he did it. And that's how I ended up meeting Jimmy the next day because he was at our church. Uh, he stayed faithful. Sometimes the cookies are found not not sitting in the corner crying for a cookie, but just staying faithful to those day-to-day things that God has given you to do. Uh, Bob Dylan, uh, who made a claim of faith many years ago, and some still uh, say that he is still a believer, I don't know, but in this interview in 2004 with 60 Minutes, um, he was asked a question about, you know, why do you stay touring. Well, you, 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 I mean, he's got enough money to pretty much sit back and do nothing, but he stays on the road. He stays touring and stays touring, stays touring rather. Um, and, and here's what he said. It goes back to that destiny thing. I mean, I made a bargain with it, you know, long time ago, and I'm holding up my end. On the question of what his bargain was, Dylan answers, quote, to get where I am now, 
and ask whom he made that bargain with, he answers, with the chief commander, capitalized, in this earth and in a world we can't see. So, you know, many people reckon that, that Bob Dylan had made a deal with the Lord, you know, uh, that you, you've put me in this place and I'm going to stay steadfast at it. And we could look at that from a distance and go, oh man, yeah, well, he's rich and famous. Let me tell you, the road is hard. You know, it's very hard. We spend a lot of time on the road, and we find joy in it. Uh, The novelty of travel wears off really quick. Those of you that travel know what I'm talking about. Um, And so he doesn't have to do that, but he does it because it's, I believe, it's something that he feels God has given him the opportunity to do, and he needs to stay steadfast to it. And so, again, uh, that's the admonition from uh, me to you, but also me to me. Let's stay faithful, you know, because here's the deal. If God can trust you with what he's already given you, he will give you more. That is a biblical principle found in the parable of the talents. If we'll be faithful with what we've already been given, God will increase it, plain and simple. Where the rubber really meets the road in all of this is on those days when we don't feel like it, quote, feel like it. That's the very moment that we need to lean on the strength God provides and do it anyway. You know, with the news that we got um, about Susan yesterday, we could press pause right now. No way, man. No, we're not pressing pause. We may have to press pause, but right now we don't have to press pause. It, it made for kind of a crummy day. I got up this morning and I wasn't feeling like doing this podcast, but I'm so glad that I did it. And I'll, you will feel much better when you lean into a day, even when you don't feel like it. There's a very famous quote, uh, and I cannot find it. I read it years ago. And I wanted to say it was Lady Bird Johnson or somebody like that. And I'm going to keep searching for it. And I, so I'm very much, uh, this is my, my paraphrase of it, but it's something like this. I found that often I accomplish more on the days I didn't feel too well. You know, that's not the exact quote, but that's what this person was saying that I recall. And, and it, it, it lodged in my brain many years ago. So on those days, I don't feel like it. Get up and do it. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Be committed to the course of action God has put before you. It's okay to dream about tomorrow, but tomorrow might not come. We might be in heaven tomorrow, so let's be faithful. That's what God expects from us, is that we would be faithful with what he's given us to do today. You know, uh, when it comes to songwriting, for example, um, there are those magic days now, this, this can apply to, to anything, I guess, but let me just give you this illustration from songwriting. Um, you, sometimes you sit down and you pick up a guitar and out pops a song that makes sense to you. A song can be so magical, can it? It can say so much in a couple of verses, a chorus, and a bridge. And with the music, it can capture our emotions. It can, you know, take us down a road, a positive road. It can make us cry. It can make us laugh, make us dance. Um, Sometimes songs come like that. Sometimes there are those days. Rarely, rarely do they come like that. Songs usually come by staying steadfast to the craft, 
by staying faithful to the craft, writing a whole lot of junk, getting up and picking up that guitar or keyboard or whatever and just writing it, whatever you can, working at it, working at it. And it can be a little discouraging, you know. You can have days that you have a setback. You can have seasons of setback where, where just it seems like you're getting nowhere. That does not alleviate um, the instruction that Paul gave to stay steadfast. Keep moving. Keep doing it, even in the face of adversity, with the strength that God provides. And uh, in that, you know, I found that all of a sudden, that's where ideas finally, you know, a song pops out. And this is, you know, you maybe many of you probably heard of Chris Stapleton, who was a Nashville, still is, I guess, a Nashville Music Row songwriter. Those that don't know, there's a road in uh, an area of Nashville called Music Row where it's basically song mills where people get together every day and that's all they do is they write songs. And um, and they, they write a lot of junk. And unfortunately, a lot of junk gets on the radio, I think. I don't care for a lot of, a lot of that stuff on the radio these days. Um, but those, those beautiful nuggets come out of that, you know, that day-to-day faithfulness to the craft. And so I don't know what your, your job is today, but I will say that um, if you'll stay faithful to that, if you'll stay steadfast at that, your work is not in vain. If, if you know and God knows that your ultimate aspiration is to bring glory to Him, you know, by the way that you do your job, by the way that you raise your family, by the way that you plant seeds of hope, by the way that you're generous with others and generous with ministries, your commitment is to the big picture of eternity. God's got you. You know, He determined where you would live. Now, we can get ourselves into ruts. We can, you know, um, get off course. And uh, in, in those moments, we have, I guess, you know, I, th- I think back to uh, when I came to the Lord in 1982. I was a high school dropout. I, the last grade I had completed was the ninth grade that I made any passing grades. In the tenth grade, I skipped every single fifth bell. I made a failing grade in every single class for the entire year. And uh, the year that I was supposed to enter the eleventh grade, is when I got kicked out of high school, and then my mom put me in another one. I got kicked out of that one, another one. I got kicked out of that one until finally at 16, I just quit school. And uh, eventually went to work. And, of course, I was a lost puppy, man. I was partying drugs and all that stuff, getting in trouble with the law. Um, But when I came to the Lord at 19, God seemed to be knitting my brain cells back together. I got my GED. I got into college, and I lost focus. And I ended up, uh, I I went to college with the motivation to get a degree in electronics so that I could go to work for the Christian Broadcasting Network and be part of the Great Commission. I never saw myself as a public speaker or any of the stuff that the Lord later led us into. Um, Never, never in a million years did I see any of that. Um, I was a behind-the-scenes guy, going to work in electronics. Well, I started, I was making A's. I was carrying a 3.8, 3.9 grade point average. Um, and I thought, man, I don't know. I started looking at the other options. I could co- become an engineer, you know, and go to work for Texas Instruments or IBM. My uncle worked for IBM and make a lot of money and still do nice things for God. 
Uh, and soon I was not going to church because I was studying for finals. I was taking a heavy load of courses, and I lost touch with the Lord. Um, I guess I lost touch with the community, the body of Christ. Uh, I still had faith, but little by little I drifted uh, down the down the slopey side of that pit. I didn't quite sink as deep as I was before, but I ended up in that pit. And then condemnation came in. You know, after I'd started to stumble and feel like I'd missed God and I'd messed up, I started drinking heavy again. I did drugs again, but I, you know, I just started going out with the party crowd and I'd go to bed at night thinking, "What have I done? What have I done?" And uh, I stumbled around for for so long. Um, you know, I got my degree. But by that time, I had no desire to work in electronics at all, and I ended up uh, becoming a police officer. And I prayed about that, like, Lord, if this is your will, let me become a police officer. And I became a police officer. I did that for a couple of years, and the novelty wore off. But by that time, I'd started to get back in church, recommit my life to the Lord. And it was in that season where I was in a job that I didn't want. I sensed the call of God to go into full-time ministry. But here I was in this rut of a job that I knew I had put myself there by getting off course, by losing a close walk with the Lord. You know, He never let me go, but I certainly let go of Him. And uh, it was in that situation where I knew that this was self-inflicted. I have put myself in a job that I, I... I don't, I don't want to do. But I, as I walked closer with the Lord, I realized I must stay steadfast at this. This may be the, the only thing I do for the rest of my life, for the rest of my working life. I've got to stay steadfast. And it, it took me a while to come to terms with that. So if you're in a position that maybe you, you know, by selfish desires or foolish decisions, you landed yourself in a position and uh, a job that you you really want out of. Let me just tell you, be faithful. Of course, unless you're in in a, a sinful situation, if you're if you happen to be a, a you know a stripper or somebody that's breaking the law in what you're doing, then don't be steadfast in that. But you're just in a job, a legitimate job, that uh, you know you 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 realize that this isn't really you know this isn't lining up with what I want to do and where I want to be. Let me just encourage you. Be step, walk closely with the Lord, be faithful and steadfast at that. See it as the work of the Lord. And if you'll be faithful, I believe that God will open doors you never could. That's been my experience anyway. He will open doors you never could have opened. If you're happy in your work already, you enjoy what you're doing, be all the more steadfast at it, seeing it as the work of the Lord. I pray that helps you. Get off to a good week. I know I'm a day late uh, on this podcast. Uh, we're just uh, got a lot of things coming from different directions, a lot of challenges, but trying to stay steadfast. All right? Bless you. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for those that listen to this podcast. I pray that um, the words that I spoke they needed to hear, whatever that may be, that that would stick, you know, and, and the things that need to fall by the wayside will fall by the wayside. And you'd strengthen them in their innermost being to find the joy of, in the work you've given them to do today and to be steadfast and faithful in it, knowing that their work is not in vain. In Jesus' name, amen.
angels fly I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.